0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find out more about what we do at officehours.global. Our first hour is general discussion and our second hour is general discussion. <laughs> so we do to QA Q&A today. So if you've got questions, we'll go as long as you keep asking those questions. Um, so, uh, so go ahead and throw those into Makana. Uh, you can vote those questions up and down. The voting actually matters because it allows us to figure out what we should be talking about. We usually spend a little bit more time on the front end than the back end. So go ahead and throw those into Makana. Uh, if you don't have access to Makana, and this might you might even be watching this, at another time. Uh, you can just go to askofficehours.global. Um, that's askofficehours.global, or you can use that little QR code. It'll, it'll take you to the same place. But it, but if you want to just type it in, askofficehours.global. And let's go ahead and jump into those questions. Mitch, what do we have? Thank you, Alex. First up, Mike Edwards from Brooklyn, New York.
1: Morning, everyone. I stumbled across this motorized dolly on wheels and hesitant on jumping headfirst into this ecosystem. What is the panel's thoughts and recommendations on this?
2: Go ahead, Courtney. Well, I took a look at it. It's a, a very lightweight dolly. It's a three-wheel dolly, uh, and it has one motorized wheel uh, that is driven by a remote control with a, uh, a connection to it. It. My fear is it only holds. It's only rated for about twelve kilo, uh, twelve kilograms or twenty six point four pounds. It does that front wheel. I think you can set the angle on it, but I don't think it. Uh, it actually uh, rotates electrically, so you can't do a variable curve, but you can set it to curve around something. But uh, uh, it looks interesting. I'm not sure what the price of it was. I didn't get it's to about twelve hundred bucks. It's eleven uh, ninety. But you can't use it with you know you have with DSLRs or lightweight uh, video cameras. You know work fine. But your typical, you know, Area Alexa, after you outfit it with the batteries and everything else, I and mean, you have to have, of course, onboard batteries to do this kind of un- uncontrolled uh, dolly move, I mean, un- unmanned dolly move, that uh, it's going to be a pretty heavy camera if you use a professional-type camera with a big lens, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that the... It looks good. It it looks like it it would definitely get you some shots. I think the concern that I have is that you'd probably have a lot of vibration. The size of the wheels and the and the structure of it, you could end up with a lot of bouncing around. So you'd have to have. I they don't show it with a gimbal, but I think you would need one. <laughs> it's, it's you know something that's going to uh, absorb the just a little bouncing that goes along as it as it works. When it's not working, anytime you're you're doing something that's like a dolly move without some sort of tracks. The reason the tracks are there to kind of even everything out. Um, In a lot of ways, like one of the things to look at is look at a behind the scenes and look at how many shims are sitting underneath those tracks. And by the way, watching someone build those on the side of a hill is like a work of art. Like you see like 10 people come up and they they build a perfectly flat dolly. They're sitting there just leveling it out and adding more shims to it. And they get this perfectly smooth, perfectly flat dolly that is that is the most underrated thing on film filmmaking, or not? Maybe not the most, but pretty pretty close. People so go, "Oh, I just roll it along the ground." Well, the ground goes like this, and it bounces around, and it does a lot of other things. And so, um, so I think that it you could probably get some shots with it. I don't think you would use it. You would end up using it as often as you think you would. Go ahead, Chris.
3: My my question would be, for the price point, does it include the smooth floor to roll it on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the. I mean, there are you know, there's some
0: there's some really good ones that do do that they, they you know there's the Dana dolly which works off you know that works off of I think standard uh, speed rail um, that but but that's still again you're leveling off something that is on rails um, there's uh, I think that Los Mandy makes a jib that has wheels on it and they have it had rubber that you, it, well, you can kind of move it around where you want it but you, you you always needed to have some kind of guide to make that work go ahead uh, Courtney. Yeah, the
2: Las mandy would, would run on uh, this rubber track, which was yeah. uh, very strange. But I, they do have a video.
0: <laughs> it worked. It <laughs> they worked. do I have a one. video
2: here of it uh, <laughs> running across cables with these super soft wheels. So it says it accommodates little bumps. Maybe that would accommodate the little bumps that you're talking about. Um, Maybe. So, but the fact that it's so light and it only carries... 26 pounds, you know, a lot of a dolly stability, like a, you know, movie dolly weighs 600 pounds. You know, it takes four grips to carry it up a stair. So, uh, it, it this doesn't have enough heft to it. If you hit a little pebble, I think it may be a problem,
0: or you have to have a perfectly smooth dance floor to run it across. You know, otherwise you might see some and, of those bumps. Like, you and said. that's what happens. Is it's inexpensive to buy? It's just that it's, it can be. It may be very expensive to use, and so that's the that's the hard the hard part that you you have to kind of always balance. Um, next question.
1: Next one in from Andy Kokendorfer in Vieira, Florida. Andy asks. What is the best manner to capture a live YouTube stream and restream to another site? With host permission, of course, the original content owner cannot use a reflector like Restream.io. Thanks.
0: You know, there's not, I mean it's never gonna be great (laughs) to do a restream of something where you're, because essentially you're doing a screen capture, you're doing going full screen with YouTube. Um, I would say that you're probably best off um, getting an Apple TV and using that as the source. The Apple TV feed from YouTube is extremely reliable. So the problem is when you use a PC or a Mac, um, there's a lot of other things going on in the computer, and you end up with frame drops, you know, as you go through that. And so um, there with an Apple TV, it's pretty focused on what it's doing. Now, you might be able to use a Chromecast as well. I haven't tried it, but I have done it with the Apple TV. And so um, now you may end up with the Apple TV. I, don't, I haven't done it recently, and I know that Apple has been tightening the copyright protection on, on stuff. I don't think YouTube is affected, but if it is, you may have to go through, you know, some kind of converter box, and inexpensive Chinese converter box from HDMI to SDI and back to get rid of the HTCP. Um, And then you would um, feed that into, I mean, you could feed it into any encoder at that point. It's just another HDMI signal for you. Um, I think you will, getting a dedicated device, a Chromecast or an Apple TV, and again, my experience has mostly been with the Apple TV, um, you should be able to work that, that that should work just fine. Um, And uh, it's not going to be as good as if you did it from a reflector, um, because it's being, it's been compressed twice by the time you've seen it. So it was compressed on the RTMP or HLS, um, you know, ingest into, into YouTube. YouTube then transcoded it. You're now grabbing that transcode and then re-encoding it again. Uh, that, that, that creates a lot of generation loss. So, um, so you just have to know that that's the case. Um, if they're doing a really high quality stream that doesn't have a lot of dark blacks and, you know is you know that that type of thing um more as 4K or, or really good 1080p it might be acceptable but but just know that you you've got a couple generations in there now by the time the user sees it they'll it will have been compressed four times um at least <laughs> so so uh so just know that that's that's um that's kind of coming down the path but i would i would use yeah some kind of dedicated playout system to make that happen um, next question
1: Paul Wallace from Hot Springs, Arkansas is in with a question. Courtney, any thoughts on the Ubiquiti Dream Machine solution vis-a-vis a a more traditional Netgear rudder solution? Pros and cons of each. ahead, Courtney. I haven't had any good luck with mesh networks, so
2: I've kind of abandoned them and gone back to wired access points. Um, The Ubiquiti has, they do make something a pro version of a uh, Dream Machine controller that uh, controls all of them but it's kind of expensive it's a rack mount device i don't know if the one you're talking about is this this one which uses uh is a uh, dream machine four by four when it uses MIMO, and uh, you buy multiple access points a lot of these that use zigbee or some other internal signaling uh method to transmit uh, the sub channel back you know to the different access points i've had problems with that because it's you know all wireless they have to be close together for the mesh to work reasonably close together and not too isolated via walls with uh i have in this building i have uh and plath walls which are pretty good blockers so that's why i went with the wired with access points
0: yeah as far as the the only one advantage to netgear would be potentially to use a 4250 if you're going to try to do ndi or dante or anything else over your network if it's just a home network and you want it to be the right thing for the you know to i'm i'm shortly going to probably probably next month get a dream machine and kind of switch my whole my whole house over to um ubiquity uh it's it's an amplify which is i bought it a long time ago and i've just put off going through the process of doing it it's trash by the way the amplify is trash um uh, don't don't buy that so it's also made by ubiquity it's just their it's their mesh network and mesh or not mesh or even just the the home thing i would never use again so um the uh it it looked good when i did it it was that it was a, uh, you know, I could manage a lot of things from my iPhone and it was, it seemed like a good one to, you know, <laughs> talk about on MacBreak. Uh, but it, it's turned out to really be not a great experience for me. So, but I am looking at going to an overall ubiquity network uh, in December and I'll just be doing a couple, um, you know, two, two to four, it depends, start with two and then four wireless access points um, to, to make all of that work. Next question. Incoming QR code question from Tyler Wigglesworth
1: from San Dimas, California. I've been given the opportunity to add a second line onto my current cell phone for work purposes. Does the panel have any experience with any second line companies and apps as I want to be on the same device but be separated? Looking for the best.
0: Go Jason.
4: I think the very best way to do this is with Google Voice. Um, if you're not going to put a second SIM or a, or a virtual SIM in your iPhone, uh, Google Voice kind of always works, and that that matters a lot.
0: Courtney.
2: Well, you know what I did is uh, when I moved my office to my home, I got uh, the phone company told me, oh, was it, it, uh, we can't give you the same phone number. You have to change your phone number for your office if you move it to your home because it's you know, a half mile too far away from the central switching office with a wired line. And so what I did is I went to Magic Jacks and just transferred my office numbers to Magic Jack. And the Magic Jack has a... Um, you know it's a voice over ip connection and it has an app that runs on your phone and it routes uh any calls coming to my business phone to the magic jack app that runs on my phone so my phone has its regular phone number and the magic jack receives texts and phone calls from my office phone and it doesn't cost anything other than an annual like $49 a year
0: uh for that and all local calls and texts are free and 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 the magic jack is that it's actually connected to like an RJ forty five, right? I mean, it's like yes, it it
2: connects to your it's it it has a link that connects to your your uh, home Wi Fi, your home network.
0: And it's not an, RJ45. It an Isn't RJ forty five. Isn't it like an RJ? No, it has
2: an it has an RJ eleven on it. Yeah, an RJ eleven. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it has an RJ forty five too to connect to the oh, right, network. to the internet, and then it comes out in in an RJ11. But then the the fact is that that it has the app that runs on any phone, iOS or Android, that then can, whenever your home, whenever your magic jack rings, it rings the app, and you can answer it from the app uh, over, uh, you know, standard data
0: network on your phone. Talk about being able to roll with the punches. You know, like that that company has been around for a long time. We used to make fun of it because the ads were so funny. They were so corny. They had such of these corny ads. But I had, um, I think at, at the height in PixelCore, I think we had 12 of them because we would use them as our, because um, uh, um, they would also can go from internet to phone, right? Like you could, we could use them as a way to get to a phone input, you know, um, from from anywhere. So, uh, yeah, so it was, they were useful for call for like, emergency bridges and stuff like that so we had them in all a lot of our kits anyway it's, I'm surprised I, I, but when I used them we didn't have an app for it so they, they just keep they keep evolving some companies can figure out how to do that and evidently they have it's cool uh, next question James Callahan in Las Vegas. Good morning, everyone. I'm looking for
1: a new camera for webcam zoom use and light shooting out of the wild. My budget is $1,000. Please guide me in the right direction. And thank you so much for your attention and participation. I go ahead, Mitchell. I, uh, I'm i a big fan of Sony, as you well know. So I'm looking for a sub uh, uh, $1,000 Sony camera. I'd say the ZV-E1 or E10 I uh, will get you that uh, autofocus. And I think that's the thing that's changing my decision here for you um, is that the minute you need to take that camera out into the wild, most webcams aren't going to be very helpful because they're just not very portable. So that's why I'm saying the uh, DSLR-type uh, Sony camera.
0: Yeah, the E10, um, the E1, or I'm sorry, E10 or Z10, the e E V Z ten, I think is the one that's under a thousand dollars. With the lens, you'll go under a thousand dollars. Um if you can stretch it a little bit higher, I would I would probably for light shooting outside, as soon as I want to shoot something that matters to me. I, again I, I don't I don't like the way so the the lower end Sony cameras, I don't like the the way that they record. I don't like the I don't like the data <laughs> that comes out of them. Um I just like the the cameras as webcams. So as a webcam I think it's great. I, I would Pretty quickly move to a black magic camera if I wanted to shoot outside and like shoot things i think that they're i think that they're um, re- at that price point I think that they're recording um, the the codecs that they 're using are better um, you know because you can do ProRes, you can do their black magic raw um, and I think those are better than the sonys at that at that level um, so that that'd be the thing that i would that I would consider for shooting outside um, but i but I would say that um, you're gonna the e the v z ten is uh is a great camera for, it's probably the best camera under a thousand dollars with lens. So you're going to pay seven or eight hundred dollars for it and then you're going to pay another three or four hundred dollars for a reasonably good lens so you're about a thousand dollars and you're going to have a pretty solid camera. Go ahead Mitchell.
1: You you bring up the thing about uh, Sony and the recording. Why doesn't Sony make a uh, external recorder? They just have
0: nothing. Well, you can get external recorders for it. I mean, that's not a big deal. It's it's just that the internal recording in the camera. You know the you know I I I, I feel like we're going to do a second hour probably in December. We'll try to find a video day that we do this in. Is trying to design the perfect camera. You know that is you know it's not like pie in the sky. Like oh, I just want an airy, but but the like, you know we want. You know what? What are the features that we think are important? I think it needs to be able to record some version of RAW. You know what? You can call it Sony RAW if you want, but not a highly compressed format. I think that it needs to, you know, not overheat, which would be amazing because um, that that is one problem with the the Z, uh, the Z10 or E10 or whatever that is. Um, it, I think they, they need to fix all the names and call it you know some other name. Anyway, I mean, it's just the fact that they they play with the same letters and move them around makes it so complicated. Um, anyway, so, um, <laughs> anyway, the, uh, so I think that, um, but, so, you know, I realized that, no, you know, we complain about Blackmagic being this or Sony being that, but all the cameras just have their quirks. They've decided to cut corners somewhere to get into the price point that they're at. And, you know, they made their choices. Like, you know, with Sony cameras under $3,000, you have a constant, you're constantly paying attention to whether you're going to overheat. Like it's just... Like the the Z the E1 or Z1 or whatever that was twenty two hundred dollars that I'm sending back is uh, just overheats overheats all the time <laughs> like it's just you know like it's it's you know it was twice a day you know it was overheating you know and on an in a not and I had the the battery replacement I had the window automatically turn off uh, I had it open so that it would give more air I I don't you know those that should be enough for a camera to not like for me to have to do all that stuff to make the camera go. Is is more problematic than most of the other stuff that's there, and and it's a so so Sony has a real problem with heat prop management under three thousand dollars. So you just need to know that um, if you are going to use it as a webcam, you have to use the dummy battery, um, and you have to open the window. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, if you don't uh, use the recording capability and go for a high um, uh, high resolution of. Uh, recording, uh, the heat will definitely go up when you do that. And that brings me to my other beef about all cameras is the lack of media nowadays that you can slide into your camera, whether it's uh, an Ari or a Sony or anything else for that matter. Um, That media is now very, very critically uh, supplied. I bet bet in Hollywood it's a real mess.
0: Well, I mean, I think that it's, you know, you just want to make sure that I want to buy a camera that can put something regular into it you know, like that, you know, or I can plug an external recorder into to make that, to make that actually work. You know, like that's that one of the, another big advantage of the Blackmagic camera is that you plug it in and it's recording the file, the data file. It's not doing an HDMI out, it's recording the data file effectively in ProRes or in Blackmagic RAW and so on and so forth. So that's why, again, that's where Blackmagic has the advantage. Uh, disadvantage, of course, is autofocus and and now all the Sonys at this price are all rolling shutter as well, which is interesting. I was thinking about it last night because I, you know, complain a lot about rolling shutter, but I'm kind of amazed they shot all of the creator with a rolling shutter. I mean, they must have had some kind of, they must have done a, some kind of post-production process to correct, to correct that, and I'm sure that that was ugly. Um, next question.
1: Alexander Knight in Port Coquitlam of British Columbia, Canada. Is there a reasonably priced display that is more affordable than an a- Apple XDR display that will allow me to start dabbling with HDR photo editing and possibly video? Go
0: ahead, Courtney. You
2: know, I thought I found a solution to this, this QICON G27 5K uh, to replace the Apple Pro display. Everyone is uh, online is uh, talking about this because it... Uh, it's 799 and then only $108 for the stand, unlike $1,000 for the stand for the Apple one. I think it's Chinese-made. Uh, but then I started looking at the specifications, and uh, it's 5K, 27-inch, uh, but I think it doesn't have uh, the uh, color depth that you need. It's only 8-bit color depth, so you may not be able to do... Uh, full gamut HDR with it, so uh, maybe Alex has other thoughts on No, it. I you mean, I think that... It, it does great. horizontal, vertical, it has all the built-in DisplayPort stuff and USB extensions and an Ethernet connection on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I've, you know, I think that the, um, for, if you're trying to match the, the um, you know, you can find less expensive monitors, obviously, um, but if you're trying to match the... Um, Studio, display, know the Pro Display. You can probably compete with a little bit. It's you're not going to go feature for feature with the Pro Display. You know, like as soon as you go feature to feature with the Pro Display, the five thousand or four thousand, six thousand dollars is pretty good price. You know, like it, you're not going to find. I don't think you're going to find something under six thousand dollars that really goes that matches every single feature. That the pro display has when you're talking about the studio display which is at fifteen hundred dollars there are some i mean there are potentially some benq um uh hdr monitors that that you know are in the eighteen hundred to two thousand dollar range that are 32 inch and they are 4k not 5k they are you know hdr 10 you know and hlg i don't know if they have the same knit knit values um, i haven't looked at them for a long time so you know you can um uh, in that range, they're still gonna be in the same range. I mean, I don't think that you're gonna find a lot. Again, the the, the displays are expensive, but I don't think that there's a lot of people making displays at the same quality that Apple makes at the same price. Like as soon as you cut a couple corners, you can get under that price. But if you're if you're looking for that, that level of quality, I don't think you can find it. I think Apple has really figured out how to do that. That's the best price you're gonna get for that feature set. Uh, You just have to decide if that feature set's necessary. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Alex, um, what would be the minimum number of nits that you would want for an HDR display in a studio environment?
0: Thousand. Minimum. That's like, that's table stakes. A thousand nits. Um, uh, You know, typically you want a thousand nits with a, I mean, obviously a peak of 1500 or something like that. You know, like a thousand, you know, and so, but that's, that's the table stakes. Mm -hmm. You know, people will say it's HDR because it's 600 nits and that's... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's better than nothing, <laughs> but it's not, but I would say that, that, you know, you should, you should, uh, be, be looking for that if you're, if you're really going to do it to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Go so ahead. The the con is 600 nits. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's better than 200 nits or 150 nits. So, uh, so there you go. So, so, um, and it, it's going to look really nice, um, but I, I would say a thousand nits is what you're looking for. Uh, next question. Douglas Carmichael asking, I've noticed that
1: when I make the prompts I give GPT 3.5 or 4 more concise, I have a greater chance of getting usable output. Are there any specific tips on crafting quality
0: prompts? Uh, Yeah, I I actually find, I mean, you can go, uh, I find that if you really know what you're doing and give it a really, really long prompt, like pages of prompts, Um, you can oftentimes get a little bit of a. Um, You know, you you might be able to get something more what you like, but I have to admit that most of my prompts, you know, 90% of my prompts are pretty short. Um, They are, uh, you know, I'm asking now what the the big thing is, is that I tell it and this is really important. I've been really, really pondering this thing about that I've with ChatGPT is that you tell it what your source is, what you want and what your target is. And what I mean by that is uh, tell me, explain to me quantum mechanics or I first say, you are Richard Feynman. Like, so I've I've now defined the source. Are you a teacher? Are you a physician? Are you a home, you know, like, are you, you know, whatever that is, home builder, whatever that is, describe quantum, you know, you're going to, you're, this is who you are. Describe for me this thing, and this is your target. So you are Richard Feynman, describe quantum mechanics to a fifth grader. And um, it'll almost always start if you do that with Richard Feynman. It'll go, okay, what was it? Um, okay, kiddo. <laughs> like it's like I guess he must have said that a lot. I don't remember reading. I don't remember reading that in lectures of, uh, with uh, lectures of, um, on physics, but maybe he said that a lot. Anyway, but the point is, is that it knows where you want to go. It knows where you want to start, where you want to go, and where you want to end up. And uh, I find that those are the best prompts that I get, that I do with ChatGPT is to is to do those things. And it doesn't take much very long. It just has to have those three things in it. And I've been really pondering how often in life you need that. You know, the, the number one thing that people make mistakes of, they know where they want to get to and they know what, and they have an idea of how to do it. Oftentimes where they're standing is not, they don't accurately, they are connected to what they think it should be or what they think it is. They're just not really paying attention to what it actually is. And then that creates, that means that the, the the other part goes way off because they're relating to uh, a fantasy as opposed to reality. Um, yeah, go ahead, Courtney. Now
2: that's about what I was going to say. I've been testing, I just tested uh, chat GPT 3.5 because I don't have access to four, I don't have a subscription. And I found it to be wildly inaccurate um, as for if for anything historical, I mean, I ask it questions about myself or like who invented the first computerized teleprompter, which I know the answer to that one. And it it says uh, uh, Hub Shafley did in 1950, and I point out to that well there were no computer displays in 1950, so how could there be a computer <laughs> teleprompter? A, and and he goes, oh well, I'm sorry for that mistake. You're absolutely right.
0: You know? <laughs> and exactly. it, it would make three different mistakes, you know. As a <laughs> but and, but again, you can't. I what I find is you can't ask the question. You can't ask an open question to ChatGPT and expect an answer. You have to tell it who it is and tell it what you want and then tell it where you're going. And and it and then it, it gets pretty pretty accurate pretty quickly. But it
2: makes up an answer that's wrong <laughs> if, sure, you don't, lot, if you yeah, don't do that. But I asked the same
0: question. I, I, asked, I posed exactly the same question. People on this panel sometimes make up questions, answers that are wrong. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, we do the best we can. I, that's true, but we don't have the sum of all human
2: knowledge contained in our brain. Like so you Chet. have to realize that
0: the, the people make stuff up. I mean, we, we watch TV and there's a whole bunch of people making up things that are wrong all day but uh the
2: but the thing is i I asked the same question I cut and pasted it into mm-hmm. copilot uh in right. in Windows, and it got it right, and it cited you know right. several different articles with the correct answer Chat just made up an answer which was
0: wrong yeah, yeah it's it's you know its a work in progress, but so are all of all of us uh, go go ahead, Mitchell.
1: I grew up on radio uh being able to ask engineers questions. And I learned that if you don't ask the question correctly, they won't give
0: you a correct answer. So that seems to apply to this too. I think there was a saying that garbage in, garbage out. The um, but I but again, I think that it what what we are going to see is that that solution tighten over time. But it just it just takes time for it to figure it out. I don't I don't take anything that ChatGPT gives me as truth, but I don't take anything I Google or anything someone tells me as truth either. You know, th- that's a starting point to think about it um, in in all cases. Uh, next question.
1: Craig Kadoki from Toronto, Canada. Andrew Broughton posted a new video of one of his companion plugins for Yamaha desks handling gain for the Rio stage boxes with meters and a clip reduction function. Any other cool companion finds?
0: Um. You know, the one that I'm that I'm fiddling with well and it's mostly because I don't I've never used it. So I, I don't know if it's a find. Hold on, I was talking to the um I don't know I don't know if anybody um I don't know Jason, are you using companion much?
4: Um yeah, a fair bit. Um but I, I don't use Yamaha decks at
0: all. No, the um no, I was I was talking to Todd Reynolds about um mm-mm-mm. Sorry, and I just want to make sure I say it correctly. Um, It's a, uh, uh, sorry, it's uh, vice, uh, vic, vicrio, listener from, that will take companion commands and turn them into keystrokes. And we're, it's because we're having some issues with it, but, but, but I was like, oh, I have to figure out how this works. So I'm, I'm kind of, that's, that's the one thing I'm exploring is, uh, Vicrio um, as a as a as a controller, but uh, but I, I don't have an answer yet. Go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, this particular uh, companion uh, that uh, that Andrew's mentioning uh, is uh, asynchronous. In other words, it's giving feedback so that the buttons can update with the uh, the meter information, and that's something I really like in a companion uh, uh, application. I wish it was in uh, my. Uh, uh, my uh, Adam Tao, Mix uh, uh, Effect. effect or, yeah, yeah thank effect effect. you. I'm, I'm having a rough day today. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, mix Effect. And um, it's very close, he says. It's going to be able to give you that, uh, that feedback. But I think that's what makes anything with Companion and Stream Deck really make a lot of sense. Is feedback between the device you're talking to and what you get back to, you know, visual
0: cue-wise. Feedback is very important in life in general. <laughs> it's good. It's good. And knowing where you're at. Um, the uh, uh, quick reminder, of course, you can ask questions throughout the hour. Um, you can either use the, you can do it inside of Makana and you can vote on those questions. That's important to us. Uh, if you're not a Makana, or if you're watching this at some other time, 24 seven, you can just ask the question by going to askofficehours.global. Um, you can save that and just kind of pop it up anytime you're interested in asking a question. But askofficehours.global, you can use this little QR code here as well. Let's go ahead and jump into the next question.
1: Next one in from Alexander Knight in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, Canada. Is the Stream Deck only capable of static text on its buttons? Uh, it would be neat if you could get something animated in there. Go ahead, Jason.
4: Um, yeah, you can. You just have to do a little bit of work. It'll take an animated GIF and it'll even actually take a simple video and, and animate the key. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: How do you do that? How do you, what, you just what format is
4: it, it that you're... Um, it'll take an animated GIF and I believe it'll take a PNGA, but those are a weird enough thing that like, you know, but the issue really is that if it's too complex a video, it'll just slow to a crawl because it just doesn't have the power to
1: handle it. Next question. Andre Dole in Berlin, what do the pedestal settings of a camera do and when do I need to set it? Go ahead, Courtney. If you need something
2: stable, you have to set it on a pedestal.
1: No, uh, pedestal setting
2: is your black level in a video cycle. Uh, so it it adds or subtracts a, a number from the black black level to get it to zero to adjust uh, uh, to keep it from going negative. Uh, so the pedestal gets it up to zero if it is if it would be negative in a AC type video signal. That's the pedestal setting. Sets
0: your black level basically. And in most things that we have, we would call it lift. You know, like most app- apps that we do, lift is the same, is I think the same thing as pedestal. I don't, yeah, it's just, so, and the way you, you kind of want to think about it is when you see lift or pedestal, uh, gamma and gain, um, lift sets the, it sets the center point at the top and scales towards it. You know, so it scales from the top top values. So that that moves it up and down from there. Gamma grabs the middle and moves it up and down, and gain scales from the bottom. So it scales, it's, it pushes it up and down and leaves the bottom. Uh, the, the thing that's the least affected is the bottom part and the top, but it's scaling from the bottom or scaling from the top. Um, those are the, that's, that's what that, but I think, you know, pedestal and, and uh, again, lift are, I think, the same. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, and you mentioned gamma. That's the one thing I just noticed that
1: is so different from monitors. If you're like in a train station and you're looking at the monitors all the way down the uh, uh, the surface, uh, you're looking at it and the gamma is off on all of them. Yep. <laughs> Next question. Zach Marley from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Does the up-down cross-HD converter have the ability to distinguish 1080 PSF from 1080i? It seems to have dip switches to output 1080 PSF. But the manual does not mention the input is the more expensive decimator MDHX required for this conver- conversion. Go ahead, Courtney. Uh, if you're talking about the black magic up down cross, yeah, I don't think it, I
2: don't know if it can distinguish 1080. It can, can't change between segmented format and, and progressive. I th- the HX will, and it will tell you uh, on the readout, uh, which what it is, it'll say PSF if it's PSF or I if it's uh, if it's uh, interlaced. Uh, so I would say the uh, decimator MDHX or MD cross will both tell you that information in the little LCD
1: panel. That's why they're so handy. Next question: Vixenice in Lowell, Indiana has a QR code question here. What's the best way to send sound to the stream? analog mixers like the Behringer Xenix 82S 8-channel analog streaming mixer to the ATEM mic input or digital mixer like Behringer's Flow 8 by USB to computer. Why?
0: You know, I, I, um, it depends on how you're streaming. So if you're streaming from the ATEM, then you, you want to go ahead and do it with the ATEM. Um, if you're streaming from something like OBS. Uh, or uh, something that's in your software, then you then I would bring the audio in separately. And and what you'll have to do if you do that is typically delay the audio a little bit because when you bring it in as a separate feed, it's gonna be the audio is gonna get there faster than the than the video. So you're gonna have to slow the audio down a little bit to 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 sync it back with the video. Um, and so uh, so that's the that's the only downside of that. Um, I think that. Um, well, that's one of the downsides. When you're running into software, just make sure that if you're streaming from a computer, it should do very little other than streaming. Um, you know, so a lot of times when we, even when we do production, we try to, if we were using software to stream, oftentimes we treat that hardware as an appliance. You know, like it's not doing anything else. It's not checking email, it doesn't have anything else going on, it doesn't have any notifications on, it doesn't have anything else going on. It is a streaming box. Like if you're if you're actually trying to make something work well, um, and, um, and anyway, so that's that's the only thing I would I would say there. Um, otherwise, you're looking for something that that can embed, you know, something that's got audio inputs. Um, you know that for many many years we used mix pre, <clears throat> not mix pre, um, uh, the Pix 240s to do that. We would embed everything into the Pix two forty, and I'm still I, I have a project tomorrow. That I have to use, and I'm using two 240s. <laughs> so, so it's a funny, it's a funny thing. Like I'm still using them after all these years. I t- there's a 1080p, pro- you know, 1080p test that I have to do, and I have to send. I'm doing a latency test where I have to send a signal to somewhere else and have it come back. And I realized the easiest way to do this is to tie my the audio output, the input to the output of one mic- one pi- Pix 240 into the other one, but I can still take the SDI feedback. And I can record four channels. I can have the SDI and the, the analog in and record it. And that way I have one PIX that's getting the output audio and the input audio at the same time. You know, Just so when you I thought it was safe distance. to put it back on the shelf, it uh, comes it, back out. You also, you know, can I, adjust the uh, latency it. on it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's – um, anyway, it's good. Uh, next question.
1: Tony Mobley, in Georgia. As my ChatGPT payment was processed this morning, is it time to move on from paid subscription or why or why not?
0: Go ahead, Courtney.
2: Well, you know what you might, like I I was mentioning earlier, I wasn't finding uh, ChatGPT to be too accurate. Uh, You might try out, and it's free to try it out. All you have to do is install Microsoft's Edge browser on your Mac if you're putting it on your Mac or your PC, where it works on both, and use the Bing AI in that. It's available. Uh, It opens up a little side panel and you can set the accuracy of it and ask it questions and have it respond or create things or summarize things or refer to uh, an article that you have open in the browser. It will summarize anything on that web page, etc. So try that out.
0: It's free and uh, see if it works for you. You may not have to continue your ChatGPT subscription. I will admit that I'm a big fan of it. I mean, I, I've been using it. It's super responsive. I have other people that, that complain about the fact that, they, um, that they, they're having trouble with, you know, it taking longer or it not being able to spin up at times. And I don't have any of those experiences. So that's the only thing I would say. Uh, next question. Andre
1: Dole in Berlin asks, what tools are you using to filter Zoom chat for the moderator or a hybrid meeting on
0: stage? I have this thing called Makana. <laughs> like, like, so I don't, I don't have, to, I don't really interact with anybody's chat. Like, you know, so all the events that I do, we don't, uh, we don't use anybody's comments or chat systems because they're kind of primitive. Um, so, so I don't, uh, I don't know how to. I'm afraid I don't think anybody here knows how to do that. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, next question.
1: Cue the spooky music. Uh, what is causing a widespread blackout of shortwave radio in South America? I'll go ahead, Courtney. Well, it may
2: be a solar flare, or it may be a disturbance in the ionosphere, which can affect shortwave radio uh, and affects the skip off the ionosphere. So, uh, you know, radio, uh, shortwave radio, can skip off the ionosphere and down, and depending upon the. Uh, the position of the ionosphere, the time of year, et cetera, the amount of solar flare, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it changes hour to hour. That may be what's causing it. Otherwise, it could be some giant jamming signal that someone is putting into
0: South Africa. Alien invasion. I always thought that South Africa would be the place that alien invasion would happen. So I think that it's – they're going for the diamonds. They need they need the diamonds. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, a solar X.1 – 1.1. Uh, solar flare. And it just happens, you've got to remember that the Earth is rotating and when the flare arrives, depending on where the Earth happens to be rotated, that's very simplistic, uh, it's going to affect it. And uh, the word is that uh, because the sun's the sun's in a, uh active solar s- uh, state, that there's a CME on its way to us right now.
0: Oh, really? So we've got a couple of days? Yep. Nice. nice. Not a big, uh,
1: big one, but a big enough.
0: Big enough, yeah. The um uh, the, we're in two more years, I think, of solar activity. The, the, so, the sun goes through these, um, these cycles of a lot of sunspots and a lot of uh, solar flares and potentially CMEs. Um, and, uh, um, and so, we're, we're in that for the next couple of years. And so, you, you know, you'll see more things like this. The aurora borealis t- tends to be more exciting. Um, you, you'll see radio breakouts. A CME can take out I mean, it took out half of Montreal a couple in in the end of the eighties um, and uh, the last time we really saw a really big one that we that we noticed at least um, that, that hit the earth was uh, the Carrington event in eighteen fifty nine and that would probably take out most of North America if it hit i mean they they saw the Aurora borealis in Cuba. <laughs> so, so melted um, all uh, the telephone lines too. Yeah, well, the the telegraph lines caught fire. Like the 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 teleph- the telegraph switches. So imagine that was in 1859. Imagine what happens if it hits now. <laughs> so when you and I, you know, I know I spent way too much time studying CMEs. Um, you know, we're lucky right now, but eventually we won't be. Um, so that's why we should probably not completely depend on our on our uh, computer based. So, uh, support systems um, because of that. Next question.
1: Next one in from Danny Grizzle in Longview, Texas. AI source question. Target query structure. Where I'm heading with this is to realize a decades long dream of institutionalizing the experience of individuals. An opportunity for video producers who can transcribe doc work with experts.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm with you. Like that, it is definitely something that. Um, there is so much uh, learning content potential out there in the world right now. Um, and I just, we, we haven't, we've barely scraped the surface of how to do that. And I think that the thing that is scraping the surface the most is YouTube. Like you can go up to YouTube and watch someone build a great video about something, but it's still hit and miss on that area. But when you think about, you know, there's so much in the ability to, to engage people and get them excited about something. Um, wetware is something that I think is is highly... Um, that's people. I, I, we tend to call it wetware. We 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 say, you know, is this what is the is this problem a hardware problem, a software problem, or a wetware problem? And a you know, you, do you build another piece of hardware to fix this? Do we improve the software and the interface to fix this, or do we teach people how to use the product? And I think that they vastly underestimated. Um, the, the, easy, the cheapest way to increase value in a product is wetware development. It is doing the training. It is letting people know, you know, what, what's there. And, and I think that, um, yeah, we haven't, uh, you know, I think that I get excited when we look at all these things getting easy. And everyone says, well, it's now easy and everyone can do it. But there's so much to do. <laughs> there's so much to do. Um, you know, we still have 40,000 physics teachers teaching momentum instead of showing everybody a video. <laughs> so, so, like, that's insanity. Um, uh, next question. It's Robert Gramling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, asking,
1: Morning all. Been seeing articles about kits to make your old film camera into digital? My old Pentax SF1 with lots of glass wants to know. Panel? Now go ahead, Mitchell. I, I'm i very skeptical only because it's such a precise and machined uh, device when you have a sensor and now you've got reflex glass that you're dealing with. I'm just, I mean, it'd be cool. Uh, i just just uh, very skeptical about the uh, pre- precision involved in making that happen. Uh, go ahead, Courtney.
2: Yeah, I think it would be a lot. I mean, as a hobby project, it might be interesting just to, you know, do something with that old Pentax, but you got to deal with, the, you know, a mirror reflex that you got to get up out of the way, and then you got to th- have some means since the mirror is going to be out of the way and the shutter, focal plane shutter, isn't going to be used anymore. You've got to have some way of monitoring your image real time. So you've got to add a monitor to it, et cetera. Seems like a lot of work and, you know, it's going to require bigger batteries that won't fit in the camera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. I, I, would, like a good idea. I would
0: try to figure out how to adapt the glass to another camera as opposed to trying to adapt the camera to the glass. That's, that's, my, that's that'd be my, my, my focus. I don't know what it takes to do a Pentax glass to a new camera, but there's got to be an adapter somewhere. Uh, next question. John
1: Fultz in Grove, Pennsylvania, on Fenwick's Sound Desk Mix Pre setup. How do you get audio to the speakers? Do you come out of the Mix Pre? Do you use headphones from the Mac? Do you use an audio interface? What do you do? Mr. Fenwick, do you have speakers
0: and do you send things to them? Oh, he's muted. Good Uh. He wasn't paying attention, so we no. I wasn't paying attention at all. You caught me. <laughs> Read the how question again. Read the question the again. Speakers? That's fine.
3: So, so how do okay. I get audio to the speakers? What I do in my setup is I create uh, my my sound desk output module has six outs, and those six outs uh, give me the ability to listen to two, to send two to Zoom, and the fifth and sixth output. I actually, in, in loopback, when you create a monitor column, which you may have to turn on, if you don't actually turn on the monitor column, which is the far right column, you won't even see it. But if you turn on the monitor column, you go, oh, and then you create an output to um, a sec, uh, the last set of things. Now, and I can show you this. I have to move, one. Sc- I have to obscurify one screen and go like this, and those last two outputs I send to this output, the stereo output, and those are my five, six outputs. So if I turn this up like this and, and you all talk, it'll come off, it'll come off of my speakers. But if I turn it down, there's a, there's a little scrolling there because of uh, screen zooming. Um, but if I turn it down, I kill my speakers and it's the easiest, quickest way to say, oh, out to the speakers, nope, out, and then if we go one step further, uh, the loop back. Let's see if loop back launches quickly enough. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm about to replace this computer, by the way. Um, but the oh yeah, I can show you right here. And then the sound desk output module is this one. So, th- and this is what I mean, this monitor's column has to be turned on, and I just send it to the output device called my iMac Pro speakers. Now, if you don't want to send it to built-in speakers on a monitor or whatever, and I just do it for convenience so I can listen to people talking if I walk away. Um, you could send it to another output device. Maybe you have one of those wonderful Focusrite scarlets laying around that Alex hates so much. And you want to hook it up to like some powered speakers. You just make that output, you know, that device and you turn on your powered speaker. So if I was, you know, I got I to gotta admit as an editor, I haven't listened to things on speakers in, since the beginning of COVID. It's, I, I, I shouldn't admit that to my audio friends, but I haven't. Um, But that's what I would do is I'd hook up, you know, powered speakers to another output device.
0: Next question.
1: And it's from Paul Ross in the United Kingdom. So I'm looking to get a radio broadcast mixer that works with Dante DVS for internet radio. I'm having a hard time finding a mixer that works with DVS as they only seem to work with Dante AES67. Why is this and is there a mixer that could work? Go ahead, Mitchell. Um, radio broadcast consoles are a very specific use case. Now, granted, any mixer could work in a radio environment, but traditionally are not. There's a, only like four or five really big players uh, in the radio broadcast world, um, and they all have different uh, 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 specifications on their communication. Their IP uh, is not uh, compatible across units. Uh, Axia from Telos, Wheatstone, um, In your neck of the woods uh, close, Uh, they're all different, every single one of them. What I would do if you want the radio and it's for internet and money is an object, um, I'd buy a used analog board, so like what I've got over here, and use a Dante AVO uh, to get it from analog or from aes ebu over into Dante. It's a simple way to do it and uh, if you have 16 channels that might get expensive, but if you only have like three or four channels for a internet station, these guys uh, will save you a lot of trouble. It's the way to go. Sorry it's upside down. Go ahead, Jason.
4: Yeah, um, unless you really actually need an FM console, um, get an X32. They, they, they're really great, and they they can do just about everything.
2: Uh, go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, and I think I, I was kind of looking into I don't know if it would qualify as a radio console, but this interface that, that Audinate actually makes is the AEQ capital IP. It's a 16 I.O interface maybe that would work for you but like like Mitch says a lot of times a radio console has special stuff like Q uh, channels and, and the way to listen to stuff off air before you put it on you can probably you know do all of that in software with this control panel but uh, uh, it would take uh, configuring if uh, if you're used to a certain type of console getting it into Dante you might be better off with the,
1: with the outboard Dante converters like Mitch was showing Go ahead Mitchell Yeah, my wish is that all of them will get together someday and uh, agree on a specification because it would make things a lot easier than having these proprietary uh, communication specifications to get uh, audio over IP. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to think about whether, um, uh, yeah, I have to think about it. I don't have an answer for that yet. (laughs) Next question.
1: Douglas Carmichael, uh, the Atomos Ninja seems to be a Swiss army knife device, recording, streaming, et cetera, not just a field monitor. How well does it work for those ancillary attacks as test? Uh,
0: you know, I don't, I don't use a lot of ninjas, you know, and, and, and it's just mostly because I've used so many other monitors and they just, they haven't fit into the model that I've, that I've used there. Um, in the handful of times we have used the Atomos, they've been really happy with it. Um, I, I will say the companies going through some turmoil, <laughs> so it has me like a little less excited about jumping on their hardware at the moment. Um, until they until they sort some of those things out. But but the uh, um so I but I I uh but they've been good products um up up until now. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: The, the idea of what the Atomos does, I think, is a good one, and I think that sort of ties into with your idea of coming up with the perfect uh, camera or external recorder. Um, it's it's really, it's it's a much better way. To record off of a camera, as far as I'm concerned, unless you've got some rig like like an Arri or a Sony Ven- uh, Venice, uh, but uh, having that Atomos on there gives you the ability to get much more flexibility on the media you're using and the amount of recording and you're doing
0: for for cameras that don't have a raw record, you know, like or, or if they can, I mean, I think Atomos does raw record out of some of the some of the cameras. Um, yeah, go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, you might
2: look uh, as a substitute. You might look at the Blackmagic. Uh, uh, video assist 12k uh which i think has all, it has uh you know a uvc out for uh uh usb c webcam support it does local recording in in uh MDHX and and in uh, prores 444 i think uh but um, and it has all the great monitoring and and you know indicators on screen for you to look at uh meters and things uh so you might look at that um I don't know how, I haven't used the Atomos, so I can't really comment on how well they've come along. Maybe they've just built in streaming over IP as well.
0: Next question.
1: Alexander Knight in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, Canada, asked, The new Photomator update has a smart HDR feature that can automatically write changes back to iOS Photos library. Has anyone played with this?
0: haven't played with it but it looks really interesting um so i haven't i mean i have pixelmator i haven't used it for a little while um i usually mostly use affinity photo but um this is seems like an obvious thing that i'm glad that they they finally did which is you know all that data is open so you can figure out how apple wants to how apple wants to save this i'm guessing that what they're doing is saving the uh, result, the um, vision data, uh, metadata over top of the HLG the same way that Apple does with the phone. And so that would allow them to, to do that. Um, I'm not 100% sure that that's what they're doing, but it, it's highly likely. Um, and that data is something that anybody could write. So hopefully more people will do it. Next question.
1: Next question coming in from Zach Stallsmith in Chautauqua, New York. I'm using Companion to control my PTZ optics cameras is there a command that would allow me to have a camera pan slowly from point A to point B in a left-to-right motion to have a 180-degree field of view? Go ahead, Jason.
4: Yes, and you're not going to like it. Um, so what you do is you go in and you set uh, preset one to you know where you want to start, and then preset two to where you want to stop, and then you open the camera's OSD, navigate to um, uh, PTZ, and then um, get to call preset speed, adjust your movement speed and then return to the OSD menu. Um, then you go into setup and scan and then auto-shoot and it may have to reboot but basically that combination of things will allow it to, to do what you need. I'll put a link in uh, in Mukana. Uh, next question.
1: Jeff Greenberg in Delaware asking, matching a lav, a re-record wasn't done with the same mic and I have a process but I'd love to hear the panel's view. Assume I have a lav audio on site, room tone, recorded audio. A budget plugin is, is
0: allowed in any host except PT. So I have done this in many, many ways. Um, I've used, there's different plugins that will match this. There's a lot of automatic ways to do it. And then I finally just ended up just doing it by ear. <laughs> so after all that, after all the plugins and everything else, it always ends up like, you know, when you hand it off to something automatic, it kind of, if it doesn't hit it, Matching this, someone's got an open mic and uh and they are typing. Um the um uh when you're matching the audio, I just find that if you're not hundred percent on, it doesn't matter. And so I end up just, just fiddling with it until it until I'm happy with it and they feel like the two of them fit together. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, the old ways seem to work well, a little bit of EQ uh, in the right mm-hmm. s- situation. But today, um, if you have an impulse from the room that was originally recorded in, you can, uh, you can essentially recreate the room tone, which is probably the biggest factor next to the, the mic yeah. and the voice. So uh, that's one way I would do it. Uh, the best way to do it, of course, is to go back to where it was recorded with the same mic and get it fixed. Next question. Next question from Douglas Carmichael. How do you set up a Zoom meeting with an interpreter? Is the interpreter another meeting participant or does Zoom route participant audio to and from the interpreter on their end?
0: Yeah, so on the back end of Zoom, I don't, I don't think I can open it up and show you right now, but in the back end of Zoom, in the web interface for the actual event, you would go in and, and you can define interpreters. So at the bottom of the of when you're creating the event, you're defining how many interpreters and what languages they are, and then Zoom creates new windows that people can see in the event. And then and then what you, someone can do is open that one up, and they're going to hear that interpreter. Um, so it is building a separate audio pipeline um, to make that actually work, and it's uh, it's fairly effective. So um so anyway so that's it's it's actually a really good feature that we've used quite a few times for. I think I I don't think we've used more than four, but um, but it's I think it can I think it's fairly un unlimited. Um, next question: Tony Mobley,
1: a noon in Georgia, asks conversations with Tony Mobley is being produced with a basic Mac Mini and my M1 Pro MacBook Pro, Mimo Live, Parsec, Cloudflare, Zoom, NDI, etc. What machine should I look for?
0: Um, uh, you know. I do the same sim, a similar thing to do um the, the uh, gray matter dot show uh, with Michael Krasney on he, right now we 're between spaces so michael Michael actually comes over to my house <laughs> he, sits, he sits in this desk and i 'm doing the same a similar thing now i 'm doing it on a studio that 's the only difference i 'm doing it on a mac mac uh, studio um, and that has it 's barely running like it 's barely i think i could you could probably do it with an m M1 Pro or M2 M2 Pro would probably do just fine uh, with it but I but I do it on a studio and it it works um very well. Uh the only troubles that I have are trying to figure out all my audio pipelines. <laughs> so that's that's the only thing that I get myself into. Uh next question.
1: Andre Dole in Berlin asked, how do you slate your recording of a live event? You won't do it short before the event starts with audience in the room, but you won't start recording an hour early.
0: How do you do- do a, How do you slate your recording? You won't, I don't quite understand that. Good, Courtney.
2: Well, you just open a microphone that goes to the recording and not
0: to the room uh, and not to the stream.
2: So you just make sure your microphone is only feeding the recording in, feeding into the recorder and not to the rest of the stream in the room. And then you just slate it right before the thing starts.
0: Yeah, if that's what you're doing, I, I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure how you're defining slate. So I just don't know what slate means in that context. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and generally we start recording, we don't we start recording an hour ahead of time, but we do start recording about, usually about 15 minutes ahead or at least one of our records turns on about 15 minutes ahead and then usually we have one that's right, very near the top so that if we have to cut something to hand it to a client, they don't have a bunch of junk. But we always have the backup recording much earlier so that if we forget or we get into a fire um, and we don't have a person that's just managing that, uh, we still have records. Usually we have a couple records going by five minutes and then the final record that we hand to the client oftentimes is queued almost right before the start of the show. That just means that we have a nice clean one. They don't get to hear a bunch of other stuff that wasn't going on um, and it also is a smaller file to send which sometimes matters. Um, next question. QR code coming in
1: from Michael Reyes in McLean, Virginia. What kit and equipment would the crew suggest for remote on-location live streaming, such as streaming from a factory floor or, say, a department store? Is cellular satellite service a consideration regarding data streaming? Thanks.
0: I mean, if you're doing a walk-around, that's what it sounds like you're doing a walk-around, and you have good, you know, if your cell phones are working well, um, I'd be very tempted to use um, a live view. You know, live view cellular would, would work pretty well. So um, I would really, really think about that. You can use that if you don't, or if you need a backup, then satellite is a great way to do it. And the, you know, you can use obviously uh, Starlink, but when we do it for production, uh, we're typically putting a SAT truck outside. A Ku is fine. Um, and if it's, if you think it might be raining, then a C band. But that's a really big truck, and it's about fifty to a hundred percent more expensive than a Ku truck, and it takes like three parking spots instead of two. <laughs> so so anyway, so it's uh, um. But you can you can put those satellite, and all you got to do is be able to see the southern sky from in if you if you're in North America, and you can usually find a satellite. And there's great apps, mostly on Android, of all things, that that um, will let you. Uh, find those satellites, AR, you can just look up with your phone and see satellites, you know, see where the satellites are so you can get an idea of what your point of reference is. Um, next question. Greg Gibson from Washington, D.C.
1: Just a PSA, 2.0 firmware for the Sony FR7 has dropped or been made available. Uh, notable is the ability to use third-party motors to zoom non-PZ lenses, Ooh. 70 to 200 millimeter, 2.8, plus improved preset functions. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So
0: noted. <laughs> Very good. Uh, next question.
1: Next question coming in from Guy Cochran in Seattle. What did you actually buy on Cyber Monday?
0: Nothing. You know, I Nothing. thought about things. I, I didn't. I just didn't end up buying anything. I, I thought I would. I was excited about it. Um, and I uh, and I just didn't um, didn't actually buy anything. <laughs> so I and so so that that was uh, you know I I I I saw saw some really good deals, but. Anyway, um, we're gonna we're gonna end short because we don't have as many questions. Which is so we're doing a one hour show. We haven't done that for a a, couple, a little while. Um, uh, just a, a quick reminder, by the way, outside of our show, um, Mary Plumer is doing a. This is not this is not promoted or anything else. I'm just letting you know that there's a DaVinci Resolve um, audio class next week, uh, the fourth through the eighth. It's like one to five PM PST. Uh, Mary Plumer is one of my favorite trainers. <laughs> like, I just really love watching her. I've only watched pieces of this course. I never have time to sit down and watch the whole thing. If you have time, it's free. It's um and, and if you have time, we'll we'll post it in 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 uh, Discord. But I think it'd be fun if a, if a lot of us did that. All right, we are going to uh, go into the break here and then um and then we're gonna come back and say goodbye. Good morning. Bye bye. We still have a break. It's automated. If you're watching this and you're like, why did they break and then, and then do one more question? Uh, we've automated that because we're getting ready to start slicing these shows. And so there's no way to stop that, even if we only have one more question. I was trying to kind of, I have to admit that I was kind of like, well, well, just close off these questions and then we'll just say goodbye. But we didn't have enough time. So we, I don't want to end quickly. So, um, so anyway, uh, uh, let's go to the next question.
1: Douglas Carmichael asks, uh, what interesting audio plugins have you
0: found lately? You know I think I I don't know last two years ago I bought so many wave plugins, and then I didn't use many of them and I just decided I didn't want to get any more plugins. <laughs> like I just there was something about it I spent a bunch of money they were that not that much money $150 and I evidently saved a thousand or something like that but but I just was like oh I'm just gonna use what I have and and it's really hard to get me to to add another plug-in um, to pretty much anything you know so so I think that that's the um, yeah. I've been I've been resistant to doing that. Go ahead, Mitchell.
1: I'm all full up here on plugins for audio. I have all the Wave's uh packaged plugins, not all their plugins, but all the packaged ones like platinum yeah. and uh restore and all that. But um interesting uh uh developments uh over at Isotope, uh they're getting very competitive pricing wise, might have something to do with their new purchase uh, owner. Um, the Isotope plugins are really good, so that's one area I'd like to expand into.
0: I mean, those are the ones that I use. So the, the, those are the ones that I use all the time to clean stuff up. You know, and it's like the Deverb and the and the Pop and the you know the couple of D noise. Those are all the ones that I that I've used pretty heavily. I will admit that there was a big sale on Isotope, and I pay a monthly thing to have it. And I thought about switching over, but I just hate iLock with a passion. Like it just makes me angry thinking about it. And so I won't, I won't use, I won't buy the isotrope stuff until they get rid of that trash. Um, Go ahead, Jason.
4: Yeah, um, mirroring what everyone else has said, isotope Ozone is absolutely amazing. It's worth what it costs. If you don't own it, just look at the demos, it's fantastic. And that said, I I own too many computers. I hate managing plugins. I would rather spend my money on hardware because at least it does one thing and that's it.
0: Go ahead,
1: Mitchell. Alex, I'm so sorry I have to do this, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support uh, iLock because if you're a traveling audio person that goes to multiple studios, particularly if you're doing Pro Tools, it's the one thing that you can carry all of your plugins and all your
0: setups with you and plug yeah. it in locally. Yeah, I don't do that. and I hate it. The software version of it is just a disaster. I mean, I'm sure that it works well when you move little dongles around. Yeah, the, the key works, but ugh just drives me nuts. Um, You know, I just, I spent so much time dealing with it. Like I just don't like, (laughs) like if you're going to make, do something like that, it's got to work. It's got to work all the time. Like like a Mac user wants it to work, not like a PC user wants it to work. Uh, Next
1: question. Paul Wallace in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Are you going to do a
0: time lapse of building the Sausalito studio? We've talked about um, doing that if, if, <laughs> if we can get the bandwidth for it. Uh, we haven't gotten around to it yet though, so, so uh, I mean, we haven't gotten the bandwidth to that. Um, and they are doing a bunch of upgrades and unfortunately we just haven't been able to get down there and get time lapses up. So I don't know how much, it's partially built already so it's not like it's coming up from scratch. Uh, but we'll do the best we can. Uh, next question. Douglas
1: Carmichael, what, uh, when you talk about slicing the show, what workflow are you using to automate the process?
0: None right now. We're just trying to figure out how to get good at doing it. So, I mean, we're looking at Opus um, AI to do it, um, and then we're also looking at at a Chat GPT um, you know plugin for it, like to build one in Chat GPT. Now that the now that these APIs are wide open, um, and and the idea is to like we're we're trying to figure out exactly what that process would look like. To do we just generate an EDL? Do we generate a you know like do, what? How are we trying to to do that automated process? You know, cutting it is not that hard. And um, if someone wants to be a, if someone wants to run a team that figures this out, that'd be great. Uh, we don't because it's happening in very small spurts as we slowly figure those things out. Um, yeah. Next question.
1: Paul Wallace, Hot Springs for uh, Arkansas, uh, Cat five, six, seven, and eight. What's the difference?
2: Go ahead, Courtney. The speed of the data you can transmit over them is the difference. Of Cat five is up to a hundred megahertz um, data data transfers rates up to uh, uh, a gigahertz cat 6 is 250 megahertz so one gigabit cat 7 is 600 megahertz up to 10 gigabits so if you're planning on using a 10 gigabit switch in your house you need to run cat 7 and I don't know what cat 8 is I, I thought they only had seven lives
0: go ahead Jason
4: I'll pick it up where that left off uh, cat 8 is nearly identical but the way that it's terminated is a lot less weird
1: uh, go ahead, Mitchell. And I guess I have to ask the question, what is the physicality difference between 5, 6, 7, and 8? Is, is it a bigger cable? Is it a different twist? What makes it different?
4: Uh, it's everything from, from the gauge to the way that each uh, twisted pair is wrapped to the number of wraps and the thickness of the wraps and the tolerance physically of the entire thing.
0: Next question.
1: Denny Drozdov from Erie, Colorado, have any of you live-streamed a Discord, and Go what on, was your experience? Go ahead, Mitchell. Uh, I have done it before, and it's not a pleasant uh, experience. I think everything else about Discord is great, except their, uh, their live uh, video. It's not, not pleasant.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's nobody that I know that has been really successful at it. (laughs) Like you know, and all of us have like, oh, this would be cool. We'd do this inside of it. It's a very limited number of people. It is quirky to do it. It is not stable. I mean, that's been. Now, I have not, to be fair. I've not tried it in probably eight months. Like eight months ago I was like, Oh, I'm gonna try it again and then I was like, Oh, this is still horrible. So um so I you know, they just don't know how to you know, they don't have a, they don't have a lot of expertise in this area. And um I think people are doing quirky little versions of it. Um I you know, hopefully it'll get better. <laughs> you know, like it's uh but it, it it's you know, people who are using it are people who've never live streamed anywhere else and they think that this is great because they don't have any point of reference that it's really uh, you know, problematic. So so we'll um You know, we we keep on testing it to see if they can make it better. But we, we wrote it off pretty quickly. Next question.
1: Next one in is from Pedro G. Gonzalez from Oklahoma City. What lenses are you using with your FX30 and what lenses perform the fastest
0: focusing on the Sony mirrorless cameras? So, I admit that all the lenses that I'm buying for the Sonys are G-series and they focus really fast. <laughs> so, so, they, uh, so, I don't know what the, you know, like this is the speed at which it's, it's focusing there and you can see it come back. So, it's, they're fast. Um, I'd rather just buy the, you know, this is a buy one, buy once, cry once kind of situation where I'd rather just buy the, you know, buy the, um, uh, the one that I know will work. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of goodness uh, happening inside that lens talking to the camera, and if you stay with Sony, you're going to get the fastest possible speed, because they've tested it with it. Um, On my FX3, which is very similar to the FX30, I've got a 24 70 seventy two point eight 2.8 Grand Master or GM, whatever that stands for, and it's pretty darn fast, as Alex was just showing. Uh, The next competitor, closest competitor to them that I would consider as a lens is Sigma. They're just slightly slower, but... A lot
0: cheaper. Next question.
1: Next question from Paul Wallace in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Jason, is anything in your background functional or are they just props? Paul, 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 like everything.
4: Absolutely everything is 100% real.
0: See that? Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Next question.
1: Tony Mobley in Noonan, Georgia. I can upgrade my iPhone 13 Pro Max In four months, should I get 15 or wait for 16 Pro Max?
0: Um, You're right on the, if it's four months, you're right on the precipice of when I would say just wait. Um, You know, so, uh, you know, once you get within four or five months of of September, I usually just wait. (laughs) <laughs> so you're right on the edge uh, like I'm like I'm just going to hang on to this until I get to the next one there's no reason not to like I mean I don't think unless there's some feature on the 15 that you really need I w- and, and you're going to get a free upgrade I don't know how that works but but you're going to get a free upgrade for it or whatever I would just wait for the 16 at this, uh, in March or April you're, you're too far away from the uh, let's see if you're yeah you would be March end of March or early April I would just wait until the, the next rev in, in, in my opinion um, next question Danny Grizzle
1: in Longview, Texas. Anybody using Spectral Layers 10, originally marketed by Sony Broadcast? When I first purchased, there is currently a deal from Steinberg, which
0: now markets Spectral Layers. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, I I have not used it. Uh, I think someone was just suggesting. I think Mickey was talking about it, or someone was talking about how much they like it um, in the in the forum. But I I don't have enough. Uh, yeah, I don't have any experience with it. Again, I've been kind of become a. a an anti adding more more plugins because I just don't use them enough, <laughs> person. So, so um, but but they, they, it does look like a pretty powerful setup. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, I used it ages ago when so- Sony owned uh, soundware Excuse me, uh Forge, which is one of my favorite uh, waveform editing systems, and it's a cool way you can get very precise in how you uh, deal with certain things.
0: Yeah, I mean this is this is using the um, uh, this is a spectral audio editor. So what I've used in the past that, that does this is um, this is also built into I think Audition. Uh, Adobe has its own version of this where you can literally circle sounds and just say get rid of that and it'll just take it out. And so I don't know the one that I have experience with. So what, what this does is that you can see the the spectrograph or spectrogram of the of the image. And so it's a, it's all. And you're basically, it's almost like doing photo editing to, to clean things up. And you can take a lot of really interesting things out of, out of stuff. But the place that I've done that in the most is, the most is in audition, and it's worked really well. Uh, next question, Kenny Hampton in Greenville, Illinois. After
1: traveling by flying, I find the pressure changes causes my hearing to take sometimes days to readjust. How do people with jobs depending on accurate hearing deal with flying and pressure changes? Go ahead, Courtney. Well, I try to never fly with a cold,
2: but you may not have have to be able to deal with that depending upon if you have a job that starts on a certain day. Take a decongestant the day before or the night before you fly uh, to try and clear out your head before you get on the airplane. Uh, maybe try and not fly on a uh, on a jet that doesn't have very good uh, <laughs> pressure settings, you know the ability to maintain cabin pressure evenly and gradually change. I find that the sometimes the the bigger jets, the jumbo jets that are going transcontinentally fly higher, and it's more of a problem there than the smaller ones, the puddle jumpers that don't go as as high an altitude uh, or aren't qualified for as high an altitude. But uh, your it depends on the airline really. Your your mileage may vary.
0: Go ahead, Jason.
4: Um, well, so the first thing is don't sleep on, on an airplane and the second thing is learn how to readjust your eustachian tubes. Um, that's that's really what's going on here is that you have a pressure difference um, between your ear canal, your inner ear and your outer. So I'll, I'll give you maybe one or two ridiculous ways to do this. Um, there's one called the Valsalva maneuver, which is pitch your nose and then um, keeping your mouth closed, try to blow air into your nose gently. Second one is the Frenzel Maneuver. Pinch your nose closed and, um, and use your tongue to kind of try making a clicking sound. Um, that can work for other people. Third one is um, pinch your nose and try swallowing.
0: Right, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, when you're in the uh, flying aluminum tube of despair, uh, my dad used to give me a stick of chewing gum, and that worked great.
0: You know, I use chewing gum, I still do <laughs> after all these years and I also just am very good at swallowing. Like so I just, just I'm constantly swallowing as we land and, I, and it kind of just keeps on going. But yeah, I've had the, the worst ones are when you have a really bad cold and, and then it's just, there's not anywhere for anything to go. So yeah. Uh, next question. David Brady in New York, New York, I found an
1: EV666R in a storage closet at work. I'd like to test it out and make Paul Wallace envious. But the XLR jack has a flat proprietary design.
0: Are these connectors readily available? The answer is no. Like I was looking, at, <laughs> I saw your question, and I've been sitting there looking over trying to find it. So what happens is this: this uh, this, this XLR has like a flat off, you know, in it in its, um, and so it's a slightly different cable, um, and so uh, it is pretty hard to find that that cable. I think you may you may have to get out some. Uh, you, there may be a little bit of a you know, a, a little MacGyver lab that might be required here. Go ahead, Courtney. I found one. It's only 65 bucks. Uh, is it available?
2: Electrovoice 666. It says sold. It's used. Oh, too
0: bad. Yeah, it says sold. No, no, it, it, it's, you have to
2: get a used one, yeah. You have
0: to get a used one um, or you're going to have to start to, you know, machine something or, or print something out. But it is a... Um, uh yeah no I've seen they're they're definitely you can find them on the web so you can see what they look like you just can't find any of them that actually exist uh, go ahead Mitchell can't you just snip the wire and put
1: a regular XLR on it
0: no I mean this is this is part of the mic <laughs> it's, it's the it end is, of the so mic so it's oh. on the, uh, the end, end that of the, goes mic. Into the mic the, the mic itself. On the
1: end of the mic yeah
2: so yeah, it's the not end, like
0: the old Amphenol no it's it's a it's a flat it's a flattened out area yeah so it's it's not yeah it's not it's part of the mic you can't just Cut something off. Well, you could cut something off, but it won't work nearly as well. Uh, Next question.
1: Next one in from Pedro G. Gonzalez in Oklahoma City. Looking for a good audio interface for one XLR mic. I want clean audio, but I don't want to spend mix pre money.
0: One mic. You don't want to spend mix pre money. I'd probably say the Zoom F3. Like, it's not one input. It's two. <laughs> so you, you get stuck with two inputs. It's not mixed pre money, um, but they're relatively good. It does 32 bit float? Um, it'll act as an interface, I believe. Um, I haven't used it, um, but I've seen other, You know, the F series that Zoom does is a pretty good thing. If you, um, the other thing that you can use, if I have one round, this is the other thing that I've been using, which is fine. Um, I mean, the preamp isn't as good as the mixed pre, but this is the this is the Sure MVX2U. And so what this is, is just, this is an XLR that just pops into your, into the back of your mic. Um, So this goes into the back of your mic, and then it's USB-C on the other end. And it's got a, uh, it's got a headphone connector on it for zero latency. Um, So, and this is about $130. (laughs) So, so this turns any mic into a, um, into, into a, a. um, a online mic so anyway so this is i've been experimenting with this so far happy with it um, but uh, uh, the old one used to have some controls on it this one doesn't but uh, you control it through software but then leave it set that way uh, next question next one in from pedro g gonzalez in oklahoma city
1: does anyone have any experience live streaming with an ip-based security camera
0: rtsp and what is the experience like i've done rtsp um, haven't done it with the security camera go ahead jason
4: I've gone a security camera locally into something and then used the rest of my equipment, but no, straight up, absolutely
0: not. And the, the biggest problem with the security cameras is they're just not very the the video quality coming out of them is 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 uh, is hard to compress well. So that's the I mean that's the big challenge. Um, with, uh, with those cameras. But um, yeah, you, you should be able to do it. Um, and you know, there's a lot of different ways to to capture that signal. A lot of streamers will be able to do it. You should be able to stream it to something that you can stream it to. Most of your ingest, if you're trying to go to YouTube or go to something else, you're going to have to convert it to something that someone can uh, watch. And mostly, most people aren't. RTSP is typically a mezzanine format, not a, delivery format. So that means you're going to use it to get to something but then you're going to have to convert it to RTMP to get to YouTube or many other things. Uh, Or HLS if you wanted to build a player that's going to um, actually uh, be available to the public. So there's a bunch of – there's a couple other things you want to do there if you're trying to get it to other people. All right. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to all the great questions from the uh, producers. We actually just burned through. Oh, we got one more. One more question. (laughs) Go ahead. Next question.
1: Here we go with Danny Grizzle from Longview, Texas. Good for waiting the last second here, Danny. I use a couple of Behringer XR18 mixers and was thinking about buying another one for a location live streaming kit I'm building. What I see online are lots of bad reviews saying Behringer's not maintaining iPad software for the latest
0: iOS. I... I don't know i haven't haven't used the xr 18 for a while so uh, i don't know if they're if it's falling behind or not but you know they i think a lot of times they've had trouble um their behringer is having trouble right now with just general customer support <laughs> so so that's the you know so i think getting things back and everything else has been has been more challenging again the, the x32 especially the rack has been a real workhorse for a lot of us just because it's just easy to put in slide into things and it's not very expensive. Um so but uh but the but I think that it, they're having some trouble in keeping up with things right now and I'm not sure exactly what's going on on their end. Um thanks so much f- to the producers for all the great questions and uh and we really appreciate uh and we just burned through them really quickly too. It's a smaller smaller panel so we we move a little bit faster. Um so uh, so anyway so so um thanks to everyone for uh the great questions that uh, that you you put in here and thanks to the panel can't do this without you it's nice i i, I kind of like cozy panels every once in a while so um so these are uh, so so thanks to the uh, to the panel for being part of the part of this conversation and uh, and thanks to the incredible team that is building all of this on the back end, uh, the, the software development, the hardware, you know, hardware configurations, as well as the planning and management. There's a lot of meetings that you don't see <laughs> that, that, that this team puts together, as well as finally the, um, you know, the incredible team that's uh, cutting this together and making it happen every single day, seven days a week, 365 and sometimes 366 days a, of, of the year. Um, we really appreciate everybody's effort. Um, we traveled, and I you know, moved my, my my windows around. We, we traveled uh, 68,000 miles. That's 110,000 kilometers answering all these questions. And that is more than, I can't find it. I lost my banana. It's more than 543 million bananas for scale. I don't know what happened to my banana.
4: <laughs> it's scaling. Cats. It's scaling.
0: I redid my, um, I tore apart my desk um, and then was up, I don't know whether you say, uh, and that's it. I, I don't know i don't know we, we haven't gone to credits yet, <laughs> so uh, I think we no one's used to going to credits at eight eight nineteen um uh, anyway the um yeah i uh I redid my desk because it was turning into a giant hive and uh and i then i you know you have things set a certain way and you leave him there for a couple of years and and then you go, Why did I do that? That was the dumbest thing ever, and then you try to do it again, and you're like uh. Oh. The cable monster grows like it's a had of to, time. I, I, oh, let's jump into After Hours. Sorry, I didn't understand. That. So, um, uh, the um, uh, what was I gonna do? Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, the I, I said it. I said whatever the word was I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, the uh, what was I um, talking about your desk? The oh, nice. Oh, so I I I forgot the blackbird. I cannot pass my computer through the blackbird to the to the ATEM switcher. Cannot do it. Like it it's it will not no matter how I set the EDID. And I had a whole bunch of stuff torn out of the black magic and I was like, I don't understand why I didn't do why did I do that? Like I'm going to fix it all, make it all great. And then I, I was up until very early yesterday <laughs> trying to get it to work again and then realized I was wrong. I was wrong. So, um anyway, the uh yeah. So so now I'm I'm rewiring things again, but it, it, it in the nice in the good news the black magic can go to so many other monitors. That's why there were so many things I wasn't using in it. I was, it was about to I, say it's a good it's a good thing
4: that um <laughs> the the blackbird you know you're not just like well and so the moral of the story is I bought another blackbird.
0: No 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 I have, I actually probably don't need another blackbird now. I can probably just just serve monitors with.